Someone who is reaching retirement age today, but who didn't start saving until the age of 40, is probably following advice from the mid-1990s. That's around the time that floppy disks were being phased out. A lot has changed since then, and today, we'll help weed out the old-fashioned tips that have not stood the test of time. Welcome in to Your Retirement with Sam Jules. Welcome to Your Retirement. I'm consumer advocate Chuck Caton along with the full studio of Sam Duell, Andy Schooler, Luke Van Abel from Duell Financial Strategies, uh, where uh, they can give you your retirement lifestyle review and the wonderful advice on your retirement. With over a score of years of experience, and uh, we are going to be talking about uh, more than a score of years ago, I guess, Sam, when retirement advice uh, uh, rarely ages well. And uh, when we look at the mid-90s, as you said before, uh, today's show, we're going to bust some of the more outdated advice uh, pieces that uh, st- maybe some people are uh, still following today. I'm not sure if they are, but uh, there are some things that have changed, and maybe you can delineate some. For example, we've had uh, things like the 4% rule, uh, the rule of 100, or even allocating stocks and bonds in a 60-40 split. I guess that's the way it used to be uh, years ago, right? But is it still true today? That's really true, Chuck. I mean, it's amazing to me how this industry can be so advanced. Uh, it can... It, it, it has to keep up every day with what the market is doing. But literally, what we talked about at the opening of this segment, there is advice that's being dispensed out there that, folks, it's as, it's as outdated as a floppy disk. I mean, it, it didn't even work when they were recommending it back in the 90s, and it certainly doesn't work today. I, we're amazed when we have people that come in that are in or near retirement, how many of you are still running with philosophies, are still running with risk tolerance uh allocations that aren't even remotely appropriate for you so you have to start looking at some things if i would say this is this would be a red flag for you if if you are being labeled if you're taking a quiz to be labeled either conservative moderate or aggressive and then you're being allocated into your accounts based upon you being some sort of a generic conservative moderate or aggressive it's hopelessly outdated the world moved beyond that years and years and years ago if all you're doing is having portfolios recommended to you based upon some type of a preconceived split allocation 60 40 70 30 50 50 you're outdated that one is old it's gone it's not recognized by the top cutting edge financial advisors today what's recognized today is a formula that takes into account your risk tolerances not based upon some sort of a you know just a, an ambiguous questionnaire but based upon deep probing analysis of who you are where you're trying to go to how you're trying to get there and then the next thing you have to look at is how are you positioned currently relative to that new benchmark that we've established if you want to take a look at what this looks like go to our website sometime it's dualstrategies.com d-u-e-l-l strategies.com Click on that link um, about talking about your risk score and run through a risk analysis on there. And you'll see the difference between cutting edge technology and stuff that's as outdated as a floppy disk. It's a whole different world right now. And if you want to be successful in retirement, you have to be in today's world, not what some are still working in the mid 90s. 
Well, it's interesting you say that, Sam, because uh, here's one axiom, I think, Andy, that uh, I always thought was true, and I I live by this myself, and that is uh, avoiding debt at all costs in retirement and then renting to avoid a mortgage. Now, why does that not apply today in uh, some cases? Well, from a standpoint of when we look at what your debt load is going into retirement, if it is a mortgage, I'm probably more supportive of it if you've refinanced in the last five years, which I know many of you have, you probably have a very, very low interest rate on your mortgage. So I don't necessarily have a problem with that. What they're talking about here is credit card debt. It is um, helping children out when you may not have that ability to really be able to help them and shouldn't. So renting can be a challenge because you can't necessarily control what you pay. Those companies can um, change rent as needed they have tax issues that potentially go up on them, then they're going to pass on the cost to you. You can't necessarily control that. So there are a number of things to avoid, but I would say the the biggest ones are for sure credit card debt um, and also potentially renting, but, but giving charitably to your kids if you are stretched right now is probably not the best idea to do. But again, credit cards cost costs way too much in interest um, and basically it just sits out there forever and if you are struggling to make those payments then you're never going to get that paid off so that can be a real toxic issue within your retirement the next thing I would think of is health care um, if you have not planned for health care costs within your retirement this can be a big red flag um, We never know what's going to happen if you are unfamiliar with the limitations of Medicare. There are some big, big possibilities. Um, So really sitting down with someone who understands Medicare can be a, a big help to you to understand where those pitfalls can be because there are a few and it depends on which way you go so understanding those is very important as well. And that old myth, that old myth too Andy about no debt is it comes down to being as simple as if you can service the debt sure and we mean debt that is what we would consider like you said good debt right you know bad debt would be on a depreciating asset like a side-by-side that you're paying 18 percent interest on that's bad debt or credit card or credit card or credit card or anything but if you're paying interest a low amount of interest to a couple of two or three or four percent on an appreciating asset like a home or a home equity loan that you've even used that for lifestyle money to enhance your lifestyle there's nothing wrong i mean one of the one of the biggest assets that most people have besides their 401k is their house right and it is one of the biggest wastes of money that there is as far as an asset is concerned because we call it a dead asset it just sets there and there's so many tax advantages because if you're living in that house sure yeah you know you're not going to pay any taxes on it so yeah it's there's there's tremendous advantages to good debt so don't let someone convince you that that you can't have any debt during retirement or don't uh delay or derail your own retirement by saying oh i can't possibly retire the house isn't paid off well that's hogwash Mm -hmm. let's talk about it let's look at it and let's make a determination right do you have good debt or do you have bad debt because there's nothing wrong with retiring but can you service the debt as long as you can service that debt within your retirement income plan all right we're talking about uh, busting some myths here luke and one of them is uh, concentrating on dividend stocks that used to be the norm but uh, maybe not so much today right i mean the norm has been you know some people say well hey i'm only gonna focus on dividend stocks well traditionally yes there's there's been good reason to do that you know dividend stocks pay you to own them much like a rental property would so you own them and that income flows in you don't have to take a distribution and and the income's flowing in but 
the question you have to ask yourself is, do you need the income right now? Are you taking a distribution from your retirement portfolio or is that just part of your sort of retirement strategy? Um, and the other piece to consider is that, you know, many of the dividend paying stocks that are out there, these are older companies, more established companies. They're going to be a safer bet, which does tend to lend towards the retirement investor. But that doesn't mean that there's no room for anything else. You know, there's, it's a big market out there. There's a lot of different choices. Um, and there's some great paying companies. There's some great investment tools that are not dividend paying stocks. So um, keep that in mind. And most of your large companies aren't going to have a dividend. If they're focused on growing, they're not going to necessarily pay out a dividend. So you need to really look at what are your goals? Do you need the income now? Or is this something for down the road? What do you think, Sam? Well, and I'm thinking too, Luke, from a tax perspective, don't get all, you know, don't get all tangled up in this. Oh, I'm going to have these dividend paying stocks inside of my IRA. It's going to provide me this income that's going to have some sort of a tax advantage. It's not. Right. The dividend is inside of the IRA. So anything that comes out of it is considered ordinary income. Right. So don't let someone tell you that, oh, these dividend paying stocks are going to be better for you. If they're inside of your IRA, it is totally irrelevant. Correct. Because it's the same taxable consequences as just taking gains. That's right. right. So don't uh, don't confuse that, ladies and gentlemen, with uh, making a Roth uh, contribution or uh, drawing out of a Roth. Uh, you will be taxed. And right. Uh, uh, what about this one now? Uh, another uh, myth we want to bust about uh, simplifying your retirement investing uh, using target date funds, Sam. Yeah, that's that's another one. You know, these target date funds became very, very popular inside of managed plans, 401ks, IRAs, 529 plan or um, uh, 403b plans, things of that nature. They've always been very tempting, but they may not be the greatest idea. The problem with target date retirement funds is they are they are designed to be basically a set it and forget it scenario. Yeah. But they don't necessarily change and adapt to market conditions as they are present today, Chuck. They're designed to go on very much of a pattern, very much of a predetermined glide slope, if you will. But if something comes up, they do not have the ability and they will not make a sudden adjustment to make sure that you miss that level of volatility. So they can be okay, I think, during your savings years, but to use these target date retirement funds in your retirement years, you may not be as satisfied with that as you would have hoped you would be. Absolutely. And Luke, very quickly, why should we not follow the old bromide about the 4% rule? Well, yeah, this has been a decade old rule, kind of general rule of thumb, again, to draw out less than 4% of your retirement assets on an annualized basis. But some of the problems with this have been, you know, interest rates were a lot higher back in, you know, the old days in the 80s and 90s. So with that, you could go out and get a safer rate of return. So even the creator of the 4% rule has sort of revised his his thinking on the amount that you can can withdraw over time. So if, you know, if this 4% isn't enough, what really is that magic number? Um, I think that the helpful piece here is not just having a set, you know, 4%, 3%, 5%. It's working with a financial professional that can help gear and tailor your specific income plan and your retirement strategy to you. Absolutely. To your specific needs. Yeah. So Sam, uh, that's what dual financial strategies does. It does well. It's all about keeping up with the times. It's all about making sure that what you're doing today, what you're going to do tomorrow, 
And what you're going to do 10, 15, 20 years down the road fits where you're at at that point in your lifetime. That's why we like to see you do the retirement lifestyle review so that you know where you're at now, you know what direction you need to go in, and then we can get you pointed in that correct direction. All right, and the best way to do that is give them a call to do financial strategies at 866-203-7486. That's 866-203-7486 to get that retirement lifestyle review. Make that appointment at no cost, no obligation uh, with Sam or Andy or Luke, uh, and uh, give them a call because uh, they will help you to and through retirement and uh, bust some of those myths that uh, may have been 30 years old and don't apply today. That's 866-203. 37486 and they will be at your service no cost no obligation make that appointment to sit down and talk retirement uh, with them because it is your retirement we've got to take a break what's coming up next sam well we're starting to close in on 2022 and if you are closing out on retirement we want you to stick around on today's show we're going to outline how retirement will be different in 2022 And we're back on your retirement. Chuck Caton here along with uh, Sam Duell, Andy Schooler, Luke Van Abel of uh, Dual Financial Strategies, where they have over a score of years of experience and they can provide for you the retirement lifestyle review to sit down, no cost, no obligation to talk retirement. If you're in the financial red zone, the retirement red zone, maybe three to five years before retirement, we want to see you. 866-203-7486 is the number. That's 866-203-7486. 86 to make that no cost, no obligation uh, consultation uh, meeting with uh, the fine folks there. And for uh, you retirees who are getting close, there are big changes on the horizon for 2022, right, Sam? First of all, I can't believe where this year has gone already. And as we get set to turn that calendar in about five or six weeks, uh, we know that for some of our folks out there that are starting or uh, contemplating getting Social Security in this year, those checks are going to be a little bit bigger, right? And, uh, well, I'm just hoping it'll stay with inflation, but I'm not, I'm not holding my breath on that one. Yeah, inflation has certainly been something that's reared its head here in the last year that people have basically forgotten about. Uh, for Social Security, there will be an increase in Social Security. It's it's 5.9% is what the bump in benefits is going to be. That is the largest increase in Social Security benefits under that cost of living adjustment since 1983. Uh, it also happens to go back to 1983 when we had raging inflation as well. And that's the reason why we're getting this 5.9% bump. Um, we're also going to see an increase in the amount that the recipients receive. So according to the Social Security Administration, the average retiree is going to enjoy an enhancement of $92 from $1,565 to $1,657 a month. Um, They're also increasing the maximum monthly payout from $3,148 per month in 2021 to $3,345 in 2022. So that's an extra $197 a month for the highest earners. 
don't worry. The Social Security Administration isn't giving away to the far, giving away the farm to the people who need it the least. You would say if we're going to, you know, if we're going to say that that they're getting more than their fair share. Uh, the wealthiest retirees have to meet several very strict criteria to be eligible for that maximum payout. They had to have worked for at least thirty-five years until for retirement age, and they had to have hit or passed the maximum taxable earnings for all thirty-five of those years, folks. What that means on the Social Security scale is that they paid a ton, I mean a ton of money into Social Security, much, much, much more than the average person ever paid into it. Uh, So let's not get down on folks that had good earnings for uh, a lot of years saying, well, they get more than their fair share of Social Security. No, they're probably not even getting their fair share of Social Security (laughs) because they paid in a whole lot more than that. Absolutely. You're preaching to the choir on that one. That's all I'll say. Now, uh, what about this, Andy? Uh, The the, uh, notion that the rich will pay more into the system because we know there have been... uh, uh, the cutoff uh, levels of uh, income uh, where you do pay, as Sam said, into Social Security in a lot of cases for the wealthier people. Now, I don't know about the uh, definition of wealth, but I don't think anybody that makes $147,000 in 2022 is actually wealthy. But uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what uh, will happen with the quote-unquote rich paying more to the system. That's an interesting clarification. It seems like that number of who determines what the rich is, it changes, and it depends on who's in office. So in <laughs> depends tw- on who's defining it. <laughs> yeah, it depends on who's defining it, totally. So in 2021, any income over 142800 was exempt from payroll taxes that fund Social Security. But in 2022, the maximum amount of taxable income will increase by $4,200 to an even 147000 only about 6% of the workforce will hit that limit, and they'll kick $520.80 more into the system next year than they did this year. So one thing that we have to keep in mind is that if you are making more money, you will pay more money into the system, period. Yeah, yeah, that's a key. And uh, another uh, aspect of some of these changes in 2022, Luke, are... Uh, and this doesn't apply to me, but it may apply to you and some of our, most of our listeners that are listening to this that are approaching retirement, and that is your FRA, which is the full retirement age, will be on the rise in 2022. How so? Well, Chuck, you know, to your point about it not affecting you and affecting me, I think it'll affect me maybe at age 127 years old. <laughs> and the reason the reason for that is we're talking about full retirement age here and that that number rising over time. And we've seen 11 different times over history that, you know, that full retirement age has ticked up and oh. they're looking at doing it again here in 2022. So. As that continues to rise, that's what your you know your primary benefit is based off of that amount. It used to be sixty five, and it slowly ticked up from there. So, for example, for those born before nineteen fifty nine, their full retirement age was sixty six and ten months. For those born you know in or after nineteen sixty, it's sixty seven. So that might hit a home a little bit closer for you, Sam. Yeah, um, indeed. That that's <laughs> the camp you fall in there, just just barely. So if you claim your benefits before your full retirement age, you just have to remember you're receiving a reduced value to that full retirement benefit. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I'm 66 too, was my full retirement age. So you could just take a guess at how old I am if you want. But uh, 
Well, we'll 127. Look at the, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, Luke was 127. I know. I'm hoping to make it to at least 90. I'll just take it that way. But, uh, you know, 2022 <laughs> is going to be, Sam, the last year to report coronavirus distributions. Now, tell us about this because maybe a lot of people aren't aware that uh, uh, there was such a thing as the coronavirus uh, distribution. Yeah, uh, there absolutely was. It was a very interesting thing that you could do. Uh, a qualified individual, that would be uh, before 59 and a half years old. So there was a provision there that anyone before 59 and a half years old could take up to $100,000 from an eligible retirement plan without paying that early withdrawal penalty. So you they you could they waived that ten percent for people earlier that that were that were younger than fifty nine and a half, and they also gave people a choice. They said that you could either pay it in one lump sum, so you paid the taxes on what you took out in one lump sum in the year, counted towards the year that you took it out, or you could spread it out evenly over three years, and that ends next year. So if you took that distribution. It has the last the, the, the last one third of that distribution, or I guess the last thirty three point three three yeah. percent of it, whatever it is, has to be reported, and the income has to or the, the income taxes have to be paid on it uh, in tax year twenty twenty two. Yeah, we're it looking. Was a, yeah, it was a neat provision. All right, we're looking now in this segment uh, with the fine folks at Dual Financial Strategies about changes that are coming uh, that you need to be aware of in 2022. And if you've got questions about any of this, uh, give them a call at no cost, no obligation. They'll sit down and explain this to you uh, because it is your retirement, 866-203-7486. That's 866-203-7486. And as we uh, wrap this segment up, Andy, uh, you might not be able to contribute, or maybe you will, to uh, more money to your retirement fund than you did in 2021, right? Yeah, so jury's always out. <laughs> they, they seem to be able to change that as they will. Um, so IRS might increase the maximum contribution limits on the most common types of retirement accounts. So this is probably going to be like your 401ks, 403bs, 457s, IRAs, all that stuff. Um, if you have outside accounts, if that's a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA that's held outside of a company account, you do have limitations and it and the total that you can put in is based on those two accounts. So if you're planning on contributing, make sure you check the limits on those because um, you are limited, not that limit to each account, but between both of those accounts. So just be aware of that. Absolutely. So Sam, it's all about informing people. And with all of these impending changes uh, in 2022, we want to educate our listeners. And the best way to do it is to uh, seek your advice. It's That's what that retirement lifestyle review is designed to do, Chuck. And you're right. It's about educating people. The entire process that we take people through is about educating. It's not about selling things. You know, I had someone tell me the other day, Chuck, that uh, was coming in for a first meeting. I think they heard us on radio. Uh, and they made the comment to us. When we always ask, you know, what what's bringing you in? What is it that, that uh, prompted you to make the call to come in and see us? And they said that we made the specific comment that this was educational and that we weren't looking to sell anything, that it wasn't a selling process. It was a consultative process. That's exactly the way that we designed it. And I appreciate hearing that from people because that's what we want it to be. So many of these rules change. I'm Chuck, we still get people that are coming in today, and maybe some of you that are listening, that still think that the required minimum distribution age is 70 and a half years old. Yeah. Right? And that changed that changed two years ago. Exactly. It hasn't been that way for a couple of years. It's now 72. 
And there's legislation that's being ping-ponged about that may start pushing that up to 73 and beyond. People didn't know that you could take that $100,000 distribution under the age of 59 and a half. People didn't know and don't know that you could donate that required minimum distribution to a qualified charity and avoid the taxes on it. There are so many of these little nuances that take place in retirement. That's why this is not about a product, folks. This is not about selling you a mutual fund. This is not about selling you a variable annuity or whatever the product of the day happens to be. This is about consulting, advising, and getting you pointed in the right direction. Don't you think too, Sam? I mean, it's just the only constant that we've seen over the 20 years that we've been in business is that there's going to be changes. Oh, it's, these, it's all these, the time. Yeah, yeah, these changes are going to continue to come. It's like you've got to work with somebody that's going to stay on top of the changes and be aware of, hey, this new rule's coming out and what this is, is this is what you need to do with it. Yeah. There are times that we are crafting and and going at least going along a thought press with when you come in to see us on things that we see are likely to change because we know the legislation is there we follow these types of things so you kind of go into an a b scenario we're like okay if it's a if it stays the same as it is we need to do this but if it's b and if this legislative change does go through and that required minimum distribution age does change or whatever it happens Mm -hmm. to be we need to go in that direction. We want so, to have B on the on the back burner, right? Plan, plan B is always good. So, folks, if you want to go into a true educational consultative experience without having a bunch of products rammed down your throat and without having your mail your inbox filled up with emails and with sales pitches and with glossy brochures for some product, come and see us. We promise you a pleasant experience. We promise to talk to you like an adult in a language that you'll understand, and you'll come away from it saying, "Wow." I wish I would have made that appointment 10 years ago. Absolutely. And the way to do that is to give them a call at 866-203-7486. Dual Financial Strategies knows it's your retirement. They will educate you. And again, uh, come on in when you're about two or three years away from retirement. Or maybe you want that second opinion. You're in retirement. You like what you're listening to because they are so affable here, uh, Sam and Andy and Luke. Uh, It's 866-203-7486. We've got to take a break. What's coming up next? There are many kinds of risks when it comes to retirement planning, from longevity risk to healthcare cost risk. We'll break them down and highlight how to potentially avoid them. We're going to talk about risk here on this segment of uh, your retirement. Chuck Caton here, along with Sam Dool, Andy Schooler, Luke Van Abel of Dual Financial Strategies. Uh, they'll give you that retirement lifestyle review. And as they said in that last segment, it's all about education and what you need from that uh, standpoint. Now we're going to talk about that four-letter word, R-I-S-K. We all know that the older we get, the lower the risk should be uh, in our retirement portfolios. But uh, uh, Sam and you look are going to uh, take a look at some of the most common risks and let's figure out if it's a risk we should take or not well one of the things i'd like to bet on is uh, longevity i, I want to well as you said if if luke's going to live to 127 i want to get to at least 90 sam so longevity <laughs> risk is one of the things we need to speak about yeah 90 and healthy would be good i always i always clarify that when i say i want to live to be whatever age it's like but i want to be healthy <laughs> yeah, absolutely So longevity risk, of course, is what exactly what it sounds like. How long are you going to live? It is the one factor that we cannot predict. We don't know. It's the one factor that actually makes every social security calculator that you've ever used 
have invalid results that are of no value because we don't know how long you're going to live. We can probably make some, maybe some assumptions, maybe some educated assumptions based upon current health. If you have a family history of different types of things, we can do that. But the one thing that we would caution you to do is do not underestimate your longevity. This is probably one of the most prominent things that we see generationally with basically the baby boomers is underestimating how long you're going to live. Absolutely. Folks, unless we know that there is something chronic or we unless we know that there is some sort of a morbidity issue that is just absolutely nine times out of 10 going to shorten your life, you got to figure on that retirement being 25 years, 30 years, maybe even longer than that. So don't undercut your longevity based upon some sort of an ambiguous family history or just like, oh, well, none of the men in my family live very long. And Sam, don't you think, like, why not? What's the harm in just planning for the worst case scenario? Yeah. Right? I mean, if you you end up passing away sooner and you have more money in your estate, you know, make sure your beneficiary is in order and that's going to somebody. But to plan for the worst. Plan for the worst. Hope for the best. Absolutely. <laughs> right. No, one, no I, one's ever been hurt by. Well, absolutely. You know, no one's ever been hurt by the best happening when they have been hurt is when they don't plan or for they something I, and then it comes up. How many times have we heard someone say, oh, I'm I'm not going to make it this long. I'm I'm not going to live beyond. My wife's going to outlive me. Yeah, whatever the case Whatever the case is. Understand it's the medical community's job to keep you alive. It, it, you really do have to plan for living a very long time. Medications are, are very different today. They are amazing and brilliant and they will keep you alive even if that's not necessarily what you desire so just be mindful that you really need to plan for longevity yes, it, that's it is likely right. to be there yeah all right so we go that route and then we go to the financial risk uh, realm luke yeah so this is a natural conversation when we're talking about anything investing right we've got to talk about the financial risk and unlike the longevity risk you know we have control over this to a large degree you know um, we don't have control over the what the investments do, but we can control the amount of risk that we're taking within, you know, a portfolio. Um, and folks, it's not just about the amount of risk that you're taking on its own. You've got to understand what the relationship is between the amount of risk you're taking and the return you're getting. Because just because the return number says that it's really great how much risk are you taking to get that number? Um, So that's something that we help educate people on um, to avoid taking on too much risk and not getting enough reward for it. All right. Well, we talked about uh, longevity risk, financial risk, but now, Andy, what is sequence of return risk? That's something that I think could be confusing if people come in. They don't know what you're talking about with uh, with, uh, that respect, and that's where you can educate them. Yeah, so it is a great aspect of, a, of financial risk as well as what Luke talked about. This kind of comes into play. Um, we do actually an example at the educational events where we will put up two different couples essentially with the same amount of money. And so if we start with $500,000 and couple A and couple B um, go into returns and we could literally flip them and say for the first you know five years, couple A has pretty darn good returns you know, keeping pace with what's going on, making a little bit better. Couple B, we show, basically has the first few years where it's not such great returns in the market. And ultimately what happens is the returns later on are diminished. You have to remember at this point in time, you're taking money out of your account. So not only would you potentially be making less than maybe what you thought you would, but you're also drawing off of that potentially to offset an income gap. So understanding that 
Um, interest rates are what they are today. They're incredibly low. Um, and also, we don't know what the market's going to do. So that could greatly impact how your accounts perform and their longevity as well. Absolutely. All right. When we talk about longevity, we talk about health, Sam, and uh, there's a risk uh, that you're not prepared uh, from a health care cost standpoint. Especially if you're, uh, you know, if you're pre-65, if you're not at Medicare age yet, uh, there could be some significant risks that you'll take there. And that is one of the things today, uh, any of you that have been exposed to uh, health care costs, you know that it can just be astronomical. I mean, it's not hard to go to a hospital and spend $500,000 today. It just, it's, it's insanely easy to rack up that type of a bill. Um, but it's our inability to predict our susceptibility to illness, especially serious illnesses. Make sure that when you get to that point of 65, that you have got yourself covered both by Medicare and by the supplemental Medicare policies that are out there and get yourself educated on the Medicare supplements. We have recently brought on Lake in our office to be our Medicare educator. Medicare supplement educator. It's all he does. If you want to just make an appointment to come in and speak with Lake about Medicare, we're in open enrollment period right now. I believe that Medicare supplements are the number one most confusing thing mm -hmm. that people 65 and older face. I hear your stories where you tell me all the time, Sam, I almost just put up my hands and just give up and just go out and buy a Medicare Advantage plan because that seems to be what everybody is pushing. And I've got this stack full of letters and postcards on my table that's about four inches high. I don't have any idea what they're talking about. Make an appointment for that and let's make sure that when it comes to Medicare, you have what you need to narrow that risk of you having expenses that you weren't counting on. Absolutely. And you can make that phone call very easily by calling Dual Financial Strategies on all these matters at 866-203-7486. That's 866-203-7486. To piggyback on health care costs, Luke, what about long-term health care risk? Because uh, even though a small percentage, and it's not going to happen to me philosophy, uh, you got to be prepared. Yes, you do. And Andy was touching on this a little bit earlier in this segment where she's talking about the healthcare community is doing a really great job of keeping us alive longer. But with that comes some implications. Are we living the same health? You know, we've, we're seeing dementia more. So there's all sorts of implications that come to this area where now we might need some sort of long-term care help. We need somebody else to assist, whether it's um, nursing assistance or full-fledged long-term care. You know, this is a big area that can blow up a really good financial plan. I mean, you can have all the I's dotted, all the T's crossed, everything in order, and all of a sudden, a husband or a wife or just one of you, if it's just you, go into and you need long-term care and it costs you four to $8,000, $9,000 a month. Yeah, yeah like, absolutely. Then what do we do with that? So mm -hmm. this is a huge risk that's looming. There's tools available for this. If this is a concern, you've got to talk to somebody that specializes in it. Absolutely. I'm always concerned, Andy, with what our politicians do when it comes to retirement. And uh, even though the baby boomer uh, segment is a large voting block, uh, here's a risk that I don't think some of our listeners have thought about, and that's political risk. Well, you know, it seems like everybody just keeps kicking the can down the road. 
and blaming the other you know side and so it's like nothing ever really gets accomplished but there are concerns that we have to think about and probably prepare for with both regards to social security and medicare um, and whether or not how sustainable they are and so a lot of this stuff gets thrown back and forth and um, again just blamed on each other and no one really actually addresses the issue and how that is going to come about so there could be some congressional changes that look at the structure, look at payroll taxes, how to finance everything. These are all things that we have to be aware of and take into consideration when planning and look at. I mean, I don't think there's a politician alive with a backbone strong enough to really take care of business at this point in time. Um, you would, If you were to take Social Security away, I, you would hurt so many millions of people. Um, there's no way they could do that. How they're going to fix it, nah, that's a different story. Because yeah, it is in trouble. I mean, Medicare's in trouble. It Social is. Security is in trouble. Mm-hmm. Neither one of them are funded at, at the levels that they should be. Nope. But you're and right. the national it, debt going up, I mean, that's just a whole other expense that feeds into... Yeah, Non-routine <laughs> expenditures. We'll wrap up this segment very quickly here, Sam, because uh, there's a lot of other things to think about other than healthcare and long-term care hey you still need that emergency fund when you're in retirement you got to have access to some good liquid money in case a non-routine uh, expenditure comes up i mean we kind of get the big ones and then sometimes people think well i don't know if i need that account anymore you do so the other risk that that we you know we want to make sure that people are aware of chuck uh is disconnecting from society loneliness isolation make sure as you get older that you have that social safety net that you have that social support net that you don't cut yourself off a lot of older people do that they mm-hmm. they'll, well, you know, families get busy the they cut themselves half, yeah. off yeah so you got to make sure that you have that support that you need to get you through those years as well because you may have had the greatest financial plan that there was but you also have to have the social support absolutely so bundling all these risks is what dual financial strategies can do to help you with their retirement lifestyle review and when you come in at no cost no obligation this is something we haven't talked about on this particular show but i know that there's still some copies of sam's book entitled purpose determines placement that he will put into your hand he'll be placing it into your hands as well when you come in uh, for that no cost no obligation review of your retirement lifestyle and what you want because this is the show that says it's your retirement so it's 866-203-7486 that's 866-203-7486 and that's the way you can uh, make an appointment with sam or andy or luke and the fine folks who have uh, over 20 years of experience in this realm and they are independent that is the key sam touched on that earlier when they give advice it's not just to sell you something it is to uh, make sure that you have the uh, proper tools to understand your retirement 866-203-7486 well this show has just flown just like uh, the year 2021 so sam uh, what's coming up in our final segment well that final segment that's always question time We've got questions from you, and we've got some good ones today. And we're in our final segment of Your Retirement. Consumer advocate Chuck Caton here, along with the fine folks at Dual Financial Strategies, and we thank you for listening each and every week. And as we approach Thanksgiving very shortly, we want to wish uh, all of you a very happy Thanksgiving because we live in the greatest country in the world. Sam, Andy, and Luke uh, are at your side here to answer questions. So, Sam, are you ready to go? 
Yeah, ready to go, Chuck. What All we got? right. We've got Margaret in Appleton who says, I've got an old pension that I'm planning to roll over into a traditional IRA uh, to take advantage of uh, potential returns that are greater than the 3% uh, that it currently receives. So is it possible to convert some of that to a Roth and then take the money out if I need it? Hi, Margaret. Yeah, it absolutely is. You know, one of the things you're, you're going to do there, Margaret, is something that uh, people don't know they can do. If you have a pension, many of those allow you the opportunity to just roll that out in a lump sum. People are used to pensions, of course, as being a monthly payment for some specified period of time, like they pay you $452 a month for the rest of your life. But many pensions today will also allow you to take that out in a lump sum. And yeah, when you take that out, Margaret, it just it, it's, a, it's a rollover IRA at that point in time. You're just taking it from the word pension into the word IRA, and then you absolutely can do conversions of that into a Roth IRA. You know, All right. Rule, rule there, of course, is you got to pay the taxes on it. But you're thinking along the right lines, Margaret. We work with people every day in the Fox Valley, Appleton, Green Bay, all over. Those of you that have worked and have those pensions, helping you get those positioned into a place that's better for you. Absolutely. And again, as you've mentioned before, Sam, uh, with the low tax environment, relatively speaking, that we're in, these conversions are uh, very uh, advantageous at this time and will be for the next couple of years here, uh, if and when they change the tax law. Yeah. So, yeah. All Strike right. while the iron's hot. There you say. go. All right, Andy, we've got, well, Andy, we have Randy in Green Bay. So you're going to tackle this question. Randy wants to know. Uh, first of all, he says, I've heard that I can invest uh, in a health savings account in ETFs. Now, how do I do that? Uh, electronically uh, traded funds. Uh, he wants a health savings account to go into an ETF. Please explain. You can explain it to me because I don't understand the question myself. Okay. So <laughs> so in order to have a health savings account, you actually have to have a high deductible health plan. So that right. means your health insurance has to have a deductible that is, and it, this gets into the gray area a little bit, but generally greater than 5000 or 7500 or 10000 So then you have to find a financial institution that will allow you to open up an account. Some banks will allow you to do that. Um, so you can check with your local banking institution and see if they will. There are online options that you can open HSAs. You still have to prove that you have a high deductible plan in order to do that. You have some age um, age options, and I'll say just like your traditional IRA and Roth IRA, if you are over 50 years old, you can contribute more to an HSA plan. So that can be helpful as far as a place to put monies. And as far as what you can invest in, that just depends on the financial institution that you take and open that account at as to what you can use. So if you want to use exchange traded funds or you want to use something else, you would just have to evaluate that based on the financial institution that you go to, and they would be able to help you do that if it's your local institution. At a bank, you probably are not going to use exchange-traded funds, um, but online you have more options that you can look into to see if you can use exchange-traded funds. And most right. major brokerage firms today offer HSA accounts. Right. Fidelity offers them. I mean, it's... Yep. As long as you meet the criteria. Right. The neat thing is, I mean, gone are the days of, you know, it just sitting in a bond or a money market type allocation. Yeah, right. Like these can be structured absolutely, Randy, into exchange traded fund portfolios. And that's fairly new. That's, it's, that, that's, it's very that's new. Been very recently. Most people don't yes. know that you can even do that. No, exactly. And uh, don't get greedy either uh, no. on that type no. of thing. All right, Luke, uh, we're going to go from uh, that uh, health savings account to Dr. Pamela in Nina. Uh, she says, I'm a physician with my own practice and four employees. And right now I have a, a SEP plan 
and uh, that uh, is something she contributes to. But I've been told that a defined benefit plan would be better. Can you explain to me uh, how these work and whether or not uh, you recommend them for somebody like myself? Pamela, great question. Uh, thanks for listening in and, and sending us your question. The de- defined benefit plan. This is a program where, just as the name implies, the the benefit to you later on is is more set in stone, right? The payment that's going to come to you is more. This is like your pension. This is where, um, you know, traditionally there's a pension plan is a defined benefit because you make the contributions, the company makes the contributions, and then at some point down the road, you have this payment that you can count on. Now, one of the challenges with these, you know, if we're talking about pros and cons is that, you know, they're not as flexible. And how do we, you know, how do we stay within the guidelines of, you know, Mm -hmm. being able to provide this set amount in an unknown environment? Right. And you also don't have as much control, Pamela, with the types of investments that are used inside of these these tools um so a lot depends on what's your goal ultimately as a business owner as a practice as um, a business owner with four employees because the the if the goal is just to provide you with income down the road that could be one path if the goal is to provide some sort of benefit for your employees to for retention you know let's face it it's really hard to find good workers today so some of the benefits to the SEP plan that you may be aware of is that you can make some contributions for your employers or your employees to keep them close by what are your thoughts sam on the the, the defined benefit as well the number one advantage for uh, what i would consider to be higher income earners on that defined benefit plans is that it has phenomenal upside uh contribution limits it's right far it eclipses of if if you're working with someone like us that knows and understands higher income individuals that knows and understands more affluent individuals and all of the different tools you can structure a defined benefit plan that is going to allow you to put away much much more pre-tax money than what you could otherwise it is a wonderful way for you to be able to really maximize the efficiency of your savings plan rather than giving that money to the government and at the same time helping employees but you do have to be working with someone that's qualified in these areas as there are nuances but yes Pamela at higher income earning running a, a medical practice a defined benefit plan is absolutely something that you could look at. You may find that uh, if you were dealing with excess profits and excess cash, that it's something that no one's ever told you about that you would have wished you would have started years ago. All right, let's go to Manasha now. And uh, something that uh, Cheech and Chong, uh, Cheech Marin and Tommy Chong would have loved to uh, talk about 30 or 40 or 50 years ago. Dave's in Manasha asking about uh, investing in cannabis in the cannabis industry. And he says, I've got five stocks picked out in this uh, uh, genre of stocks. And these five stocks just happen to be listed on uh, in in an exchange traded fund. So is it better to invest in the stocks individually or in the ETF, which covers all the stocks in which I want to invest? I believe, you know, I mean, Cheech and Chong are kind of generationally, the, those are pretty close to me, Chuck. And I believe they did invest heavily in the cannabis industry. Yes, they did. Except <laughs> they were buyers and not investors. Exactly. Well, if that's what you mean. Yeah. They were supporting it nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of their albums was Up in Smoke, if I recall, or yeah. a movie or something. But anyway, 
Yeah, Dave, if you're going to invest in uh, cannabis, in the pot stocks, I would be more inclined to have you look at doing that within the confines of an exchange-traded fund rather than the individual stocks. Uh, but I make that recommendation a lot. The, and the, But the reason for that would be, number one, with any company, I mean, we can read the company reports, we can read everything they put out, but you still never know exactly what's going on. With the big companies, the blue chippers, people like that, pretty good public sentiment. It's a pretty good track record. Uh, a lot of these cannabis companies, we don't necessarily know the ins and the outs of it. Uh, you know, the cannabis industry still faces a pretty significant hurdle because they have a difficult, if not impossible, time uh, working within the banking system because even if, if it's legal in their particular state, uh, it's still considered a, you know, a federal uh, a federal uh, um violation uh, so they have a hard time uh, monetizing so if you're going to do that yes I would be more inclined to use the ETF uh, I would also be more inclined to let those ETF managers uh, work what they're going to work inside of it and then the other thing to remember in that too Dave is that um, if you're going to invest in the cannabis industry uh, I would really I, I would I would implore you have that be a really small percentage, maybe 5% mm -hmm. of your total overall portfolio. I mean, I know everybody's heard the story of, you know, how, you know, your neighbor, uh, you know, Billy Bob picked out that cannabis stock and he made 300% on it, but it's just like going to Vegas. Ain't nobody mm -hmm. going to Vegas and then coming back telling you about all the money they lost. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the same thing in the cannabis industry. I, I would, I would, uh, I would make a guess uh, that there's been a whole lot more money lost mm -hmm. investing in the cannabis industry than there has been gained. Absolutely. All right, we've run out of time for our last question, Bonnie and DePere, but unless you've got 30 seconds, Luke, can answer this one here. 57 years old, auto-enrolled in a 401k plan in her new job. Uh, is there anything else uh, I need to be doing because I plan to work for another 10 years? Well, Bonnie, sorry to, to cut the uh, your question short here, and um, I'd encourage you to give us a call come in we'd be happy to talk about some of the other different things but i mean the things we talk about on the radio health care you know the your your risk allocation going into retirement and taxes are a big one i mean if you've got 10 years left to retirement this is a phenomenal time to start planning for the taxes you know there's things that can be done today that will help you in the future keep more money in your pocket absolutely so sam it's been an encompassing show so tell people what uh, you can do for them Chuck, we want to get a copy of that book that you've been talking about today in everybody's hands, especially coming into the end of the year here, Purpose Determines Placement, a nine-step guide to see you to and through retirement. I wrote that specifically for you, the listeners. When you make that appointment to come in and see us, we'll sit down, we'll have a nice chat, we'll run you through that uh, that retirement lifestyle review. And at the end of that time, there aren't any decisions that have to be made. Basically, we're just going to look at each other and we're going to say, look, this was either a good conversation and I think there's something we can do to help you and then you say, yeah, I, I agree, and uh, I we, we liked what we saw too, or we're going to part company and say, you know, I, either I can't help you, you don't want the help, or you're doing fine, and you can just keep doing what you're doing. But we'll take a look at it for you. We'll get you a copy of the book. If nothing else, I've never, ever, in all of the years I've done this, had anyone stand up from my conference room table, Chuck, and say, well, this was a waste of an hour. Yeah, you will benefit from it. You will learn something from it. And maybe we're a fit for you. Maybe you're a fit for us. And we end up doing something. Or maybe we're not. But at the end of the day, we'd love to visit with you. 
Thank you for listening to our show. That is the way we'd like to give back to you is by further education. Absolutely. And again, that number is 866-203-7486 to get that no cost, no obligation. Sit down with Sam or Luke or Andy. It's 866-203-7486. So to echo the sentiments of Sam Duell of Duell Financial Strategies for uh, he and Andy and Luke, I'm Chuck Caton. Thanks for listening to Your Retirement. Investment advisory services offered through Dual Financial Strategies, LLC, a Wisconsin registered investment advisor. Dual Financial Strategies does not provide legal or tax advice. Investment advisor representatives of Dual Financial Strategies may only conduct business with residents of the states and jurisdictions in which they are properly registered. Insurance and annuity products are sold through Dual Financial Strategies.